goodness, speed once again, and he's, oh my goodness, that is huge. It's a white flag for the Cuban. Hi everybody and warm, warm welcome to the Triple Jumpers podcast with me, Marcus Lombard. Today's guest is the most requested guest ever. It's the legendary triple jumper Christian Taylor. Christian is a two times Olympic champion, three times world champion, and he has a personal best of massive 1821, which placing him second on the all time list, only eight centimeters short of the world record. He's not only one of the best triple jumpers of all times, but also one of the best sportsmen the world has ever seen. I'm super excited to have him here on the podcast. Now, let's begin. Are you ready for Christian Taylor? Let's go. Warm welcome to the Triple Jumpers podcast. No one else than Christian Taylor. Hello, hello. Good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, doing wonderful, thanks. Okay, so uh, we're right now in the middle of, of the season and this means a lot of traveling for you. So where are you right now? Where is your location right now? Um, right now, um, I'm in Germany uh, just for a few days doing a little camp, tuning up before um, my meet in France. Okay. Um a few days ago, you tweeted about uh, the Rome Diamond League that is tomorrow, actually, and um, that you won't compete there. It, it was a situation with the budget uh, and so so forth. So uh, tell us a little bit about what what uh, happened with with the Rome Diamond League and the situation there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's it's really uh, this was um, when we were speaking. Speaking specifically on the Rome situation, um, just just a business um, deal, you know. Uh, at this stage, um, you know, you, your agent negotiates uh, appearance fees or, or whatever it may be um, for the athlete, and you guys can agree upon it or not. Uh, in this case, we weren't able to agree upon it because the the meeting director um, himself said that the budget is just different than it has been years prior which completely understand this is, as I said, it's just a business deal. Um, but at the same time, it's unfortunate because, you know, this is a chance that many jumpers could have gotten together um, to really kick off the, the Diamond League. Um, as this is the first meeting for us, we've only got, you know, four meetings before the final. Um, and this almost became the, the last draw that broke the camel's back and, and I just said, you know what, it's, I think it's fair for my fans, fair for the audience to know why I'm not going to be um, in this competition. Um, I, I cannot speak for anybody else and, and I just wanted them to know that I'm not in a situation where I'm avoiding competition. I love to compete, I love to jump and I think, you know, many people do know that um, but the reason I'm not going to be there is not because of health, not because I'm avoiding but really just because of financial reasons. Um, this turned into this gained some momentum and, and um, yeah, people started asking bigger questions athletes started joining on and, and seeing that there's actually um, a bigger problem in, in the sport and, and you know this, is, this has been a blessing 
um, in disguise and, and been able to uh, actually rally up some, some athletes together and, and just try to create a voice um, and, and get input from fans. And, 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 you know, at the end of the day, we all must work together. The, the, the fans, the athletes, the, the IWF, the Diamond League, we all must work together because we all want to either produce a great show or watch a good show. Um, you know, and so I've, I've really been thankful for this situation, but at the end of the day, it's unfortunate because a day out from the Rome Diamond League, I'm going to be having to watch it. Yeah, and it was, was the the same thing with Will Clay, wasn't it? Um, so with Will, as I said, uh, the, the situation is similar but difficult. Um, for Will, he was told that he needed to show fitness as he did not really um, compete last year. Um, and Will's competition did not for him to show fitness did not come until um, I think the beginning of May yeah. and as the time he, he showed fitness the, the, the argument became well coming from San Diego um, this is the ticket price because we, they had to wait so late um, and, and the meeting directors weren't willing to pay this okay. um, I'm still trying to get all the details with this so um, you know it's not crystal clear but I, I think in this case, the, the thing to focus on is just consistency. I, I, his argument was, okay, if I, if I have to show fitness, that's fair, but there are also several other athletes that do not have to show fitness. Um, you know, and so the consistency of, of yeah, across the board um, is something we have to focus on because why should one athlete have to do something that another athlete shouldn't? Um, you know, and, and this is, again, another argument that we can bring to the table. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's the discussion is not ready yet. Not no, no, it's, it's it's for sure not ready. And and as I said, we're trying to get we're really trying to, to get input from several athletes uh, because it it is not just a triple jump issue. Um, you know, I I think we this this was a case where it was just this was the last straw. Um, but there 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 must be cases in high jump and pole vault and in hundred and two hundred. It it must be happening across the board. Um, and and you know, that's life. It, it's, it's run by humans, so there will be mistakes, but it's how can we fix this? Let's uh, start from the beginning. Uh, uh -huh. A lot of people know what you have achieved in the past decade, but not so many, I think not so many know your background. So tell us about what got you into sports and what got you into track and field and eventually triple jump. Absolutely, yeah. So my background is really a, a, a soccer background, a football background. Um, my parents are from Barbados, and in the islands, everyone is playing soccer. It's really just, yeah, I watch my dad, my uncles, my cousins, everyone plays soccer. Um, and so this was really my first love. This was my passion. Um, yeah, it was really everything for me. Got to a stage in, in high school where my dad had sit me down and, and give me a real, like a, a realistic check that, Soccer was not going to be my future. I can continue playing and having fun, but to get a scholarship, we need to find out if I need to play basketball, if, if I have potential in track and field. We had to try to find something to be able to pay for school. Um, so I tried yeah, many different things, American football, basketball, golf, um, tennis. I, I really tried it all, um, whether private lessons, whether with AAU, club track, um, and I, I tried many different avenues, and, and track and field is really the one that took off. Um, I even posted, I think, yeah, 
yesterday or two days ago, um, you know, my, my World Youth Championships at 17, this was, this was actually a, a complete accident. I went to the, the, the trials um, for this team and did not have a passport, did not know this was a qualification, ended up competing and, and jumping well enough to, to make this team. Then they were saying, I need to go to team processing and all this stuff. I had no idea. For me, this was another meet. And they said, you have the opportunity to, to go and represent the U.S., you know, uh, on, okay, it's a global stage, you know, we're, we're in Ostrava, um, obviously a young stage, but still, you know, international. Um, I was really not prepared for this. We had to have my grandma go to the house and FedEx uh, my passport up there, change the flights because, yeah, we needed to, to, to properly process for the team, uniform, all this stuff. So this was really where the seed was planted. Um, then going to, to World Youth, going to win that, then it became, okay, maybe there's truly potential here. Um, this is really where the light went off. Um, went from there, ended up going to University of Florida, um, having a great three years, winning championships, and, and yeah, competing with, I, I believe, the best in the world to take me straight to Daegu uh, World Championships. And this is this is really where, where the fireworks went off. Um, one championship going after another. Um, yeah, just God being so good and, and just granting opportunity where, where I did not even think, you know, was possible. Um, then to the 2013-2014 the season where actually um, I had to learn how to, to, to jump again, switching my legs. Um, you know, after becoming world and Olympic champ, you would think, okay, this is really the, the, the you will have the snowball effect. Things would just continue going. Um, but the injuries just became too much and, and just too difficult to maintain at, at a high level. Um, so for the 2013-14 season, um, my coach and I had to really start from scratch, start um, to learn how to jump again. And, and 2015 jumped further than I ever did it. it yeah in my dreams um and you know it, it just continued from from their sense so um yeah now i'm now i'm completely healthy and and jumping is is much easier um for for myself health wise and and um all these things but yeah that brings us to to now yeah okay so uh, if we go back to the the time at the university of florida uh, you were recruited there by coach uh, Rana Raider and um, during the years at Florida you developed a lot um, and took a lot of top places and gold medals at the, the NCAAs and the other championships. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think led up to your development during your years at Florida? Yeah, so during Florida I actually had several different coaches um, and I think this was really challenging at the beginning, but also I, I was able to learn so much. And, and my parents from from early on said, if you want it to be the best at something, you, you have to study it, you have to learn it. Um, having the, the different coaches, gaining different perspectives, um, yeah, just feeling different things, whether it's exercises or performances, um, these were all things that, that I could learn from. And and I think this really, you know, when, once I started to study, once I started to, to find out why I'm doing certain workouts, but also, yeah, what really gets the best out of myself. Um, I think this really contributed to later on success. 
also, to be really honest, um, at the University of Florida, I just had a lot of fun. It is fun to win, and we were winning conference championships and, and, and NCAA championships. This was fantastic to win with the team and, and to contribute. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't give that up for the world, but at the end of the day, we, we had fun. Sometimes this was really the, the main focus of a season. Have fun, have fun, you know, continue smiling, continue uplifting um, your training partners, your teammates. And, and so I think this attitude really helped me um, in, in the professional stage because it, it can become so stressful when you're thinking about sponsorships and, and getting a lane, getting, you know, getting an invite to meetings. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to have fun. And, and this is really why I'm always trying to, to push that how much I love my job, how how grateful I am because it's a gift. I'm, I'm jumping in a sandbox. Um, you know, that's, that's my life, and, and I, I couldn't be more happy about it. And at, uh, at Florida then, you had Will Clay there and you had Omar Craddock there uh, as your teammates. It must Correct. have been ridiculous jump sessions then. Yeah, some. I mean, sometimes we're incredibly intense. I mean... We, we were really brothers, you know, and so um, you really had this feeling. But the thing is, we were all so good at, at yeah, switching almost the friendship off. And when we were on the track, it was work, you know. And so we could warm up there. We could party together. We could, but, but the thing is, once we got onto this runway, you know, it was, yeah, okay, who who is the best man on this day? Who wants these bragging rights? Um, and, and, this competitive environment, the competitive nature that we all have inside each other, I mean, it pushed us to, to a different level. You know, we were really jumping marks that, that were world-class, you know. We, we came out of, of school jumping jump, uh, distances that were, were top 10 in the world. Um, this was really just because we were just bouncing off each other. We were really feeding each other, and, and you know, as really the saying is iron sharpens iron. This is what we had in training every day. In 2010, you uh, broke the 70-meter barrier for for the first time um, after finishing second at the U.S. Championships with the 17-18. How did it feel to to break the the 70-meter mark for the first time? Yeah, I felt like I was a late bloomer. You know, I was jumping 15 meters for so long, um, and I just felt like. I was growing, but still not moving um, in that direction. And, and to see 17, to feel 17, it was incredible. Um, you know, for me, that was that was my 18 meter barrier. That was the thing that I was working for every single day. Um, how to get to 17? How to get to 17? It's crazy now, years later. If if I don't finish a competition with 17 meters, something is really wrong. Um, you know, I, I can't even imagine not jumping 17. And so. It's crazy how perspective changes and, and um, how once a hurdle can seem so big and then it becomes an everyday, an everyday thing. Um, but, yeah, it, it was an unreal feeling. And then, yeah, for years later to jump 18 meters, this, this became the same. 18 meters for me seemed really just like a fairy tale. Um, and then I think I had, in 2015, I jumped 17 three or four times. You know, uh, 18 meters three or four times, you know, that it, it was just unreal. Um, but it also shows you the power of the mind. Yeah. And um, in 2011, uh, you had your last uh, collegiate season. And at the NCAA Outdoors, 
uh, you and your uh, longtime rival Will Clay put on a crazy show and uh, if you haven't seen it go search for for it on YouTube it's absolutely crazy uh, <laughs> so you and Will surpass each other several times uh, during the competition before you finished your collegiate career with a wind assisted 1780 in the last round to to win the NCAAs um, tell us about the competition honest the competition was no different than training I, I mean we were going back and forth every round and the crowd was really getting into it but the only difference was where where the meet was if, if you put this in Gainesville Florida this was another day in training we were always I mean Omar Will and myself were always doing this in training so it's it's fun it's nerve-wracking but it's also fun because we were used to this we were used to this environment um, and if you look at the big stages this, we, we are coming one and two in the championships because yeah, we know what it's like to compete against each other. We know what the other person can bring. And so when Will jumps, I know that I have to, there, there's a certain respect I have to give him because I know at any time he could put a big mark out there. Um, but really, at, at 20, 21 years old, to be jumping these distances, it was crazy. I mean, the crowd was so into it, and, and I thought, Man, if this could really be our life for, for, I don't know, the next 10 years, how cool would that be? And here we are now. After that competition, you went on winning uh, your first gold medal at the U.S. Championships, securing your place at the 2011 World Championships in Daigo. And uh, well, at the World Championships, you shocked the world. I mean, uh, everyone knew you could jump far, but... Uh, I don't think anyone expected you to jump 1796 and win the gold medal. Um, tell us about your thoughts after the World Championships. Yeah, after World Championships, you know, again, the 18 meter bar barrier was was so close, but yet so far, 1796. You know, I, I thought really this 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 was everything I had, and and was still four centimeters short. Um, but yeah, it's a complete blessing to, to go from NCAA to the USA Championships to, to World you know, Championship where now I was competing with people I've only watched on YouTube. Um, this, was, this was incredible. Uh, but then after this, the pressure was really um, so difficult because then now everyone started immediately saying, well, you must be either a winner or a contender for a medal at the Olympic Games. This is pressure I've never had before. The Olympic Games are, are like no other competition. Um, and so this was almost a blessing and a curse because no one was even focusing on making the team. No one was even focusing on the, the, the making a final. It was, yeah, you have to win a medal, if not win the championship. Um, and then I had to grow up quite quickly because this is, yeah, this is something that is, is pretty serious. After Daigo, you, you had a Olympic season um, and your professional career took off as well. Um, what did you do when, uh, when you left college? Where did you train and with who did you train? Yeah, so I've, I've been almost like a rolling stone. Um, but in 2011 to 2012, I, I moved to Daytona Beach and spent the 2012 season, the Olympic season in Daytona Beach, Florida, um, training at Embry-Riddle. This was Incredible, um, one of the best times of my life. Um, good friend, good son, um, and, and always super close to, to Gainesville, so I could always go and catch a football game. And um, my family was in Atlanta at the time, and, and so everything was, was perfect. 
um, that after the the games everything changed and and had to make the move over over to Europe. Okay, so we'll talk about that later. But mm-hmm. to start uh, with the 2012 season, that was actually when you had your last indoor season, except from a 60 meter in 2015. How come you haven't done any indoor seasons since then? Yes, to be honest, the, the indoor season is so short, um, but it makes the season feel so long. You know, and in 2012, I I thought, okay, let me just get the nerves out and and let me remember how to jump again and and I was used to competing coming from NCAA system you're competing almost every weekend and like to just be training it just seems so long you know I I had this bug like okay we need to go we need to go after 2012 I I thought this year was so long um that I I couldn't think of myself maintaining my health um season after season doing indoor outdoor indoor outdoor um it's just very difficult and yeah i almost lost that that feeling for indoor it's it's just such it's so different i mean you don't have the sun you don't have the the, the same amount of crowd and and the, the really the the environment is just so different and i thought you know what let me just focus on outdoor when when the big championships and and you know and luckily it actually worked out yeah so you have won every every major championships outdoors, but uh, you're still missing the world indoor title. You have a silver medal. Um, are you planning to get that medal in the future or are you done with the indoors? Um, yeah, to be honest, it's something I'll, I'll speak to my coach about. Um, you just really got to be smart with it because if, if I'm going to jump to be healthy, to, to even make it worth it, yeah, to, to win a championship, you have to be all in. Um, but that comes at a cost. Then your fall training is different. You know, the off season is different. So a lot of things have to change for this. Um, I'm not going to say no, but as of right now, my heart is, is really for the outdoor season. Okay. So after the, the 2012 indoor season, you went on to the outdoor season and uh, uh, competed at the Olympic Games uh, where you only needed one jump to secure your place in the final. And well, there you had another battle with uh, Will Clay. Uh, tell us about your feelings uh, after uh, your first Olympic final. Yeah, um, so it was very stressful. I, I fouled my first um, two jumps. So this is the worst situation you can be in um, because you need a safe mark, but you also need a mark that's good enough to make it into the final. Um, Again, a situation I would never recommend to anybody in the field. I would say get a good one at the beginning, and then you can have fun. Um, but fouling those first two is just really not the way to go. Um, then once I was in the final, I knew I was in the best shape of my life. I, I knew that, uh, um, you know, that whole season that I was, I, I knew where my competitors stood, and, and I believed in, in the training um, that we've been doing. And, and so... Yeah, I just knew if I made that final, then I could I could seal the deal. And God was good, and and finally, like I, I got my foot where it needed to be, and and put out the the mark that was good enough to win. Yeah, and how how did it feel to win? Yeah, it was it was incredible. I I think maybe for two years it, it didn't hit me. You know, everyone was speaking about it, but I feel like it did not sink in um, for for one or two years. I, I went back to the village and and. I did not sleep this night at all. I, you know, I, I held this, this medal like a baby. It was just on my chest, and, and I, 
I just couldn't believe. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe it. And and I was I was just in shock. Like this this is it. This is this is the the pinnacle. You know you you don't get any any higher than this. I was Olympic champion. You know and and the thing a year ago I was I was really so excited to be NCAA champion. How, how my life changed so quickly. Um, so I would say yeah, actually for for a year and a, and a half, um, just complete shock. And in the fall uh, of 2012, you, you said, uh, as you said before, you moved to England uh, with your coach, Rana Raider. Uh, mm-hmm. What was the biggest challenge leaving your home in Florida? Yeah, this was extremely difficult um, because my friends, my, my family, um, to be honest, the sun, you know, going from the Sunshine State to to fall in, in the UK is, is very very different you know the days are a lot shorter and um yeah they're just the elements you know the weather is completely different um now they're even driving on the other side i yeah i <laughs> didn't even manage to get a car um you know it it was really just the rug was was taken from under me um and it was a very difficult period to to, to make this move um it was it was fortunate because everyone spoke English so this was okay this was a, a, a nice benefit because I could find my way around and, and you know uh, get my bearings quite quickly but really I, I I can really only thank the you know people like Martin Rooney and, and James Ellenson that that really took me under their wing from the very beginning and and really made me feel um, welcomed and and helped me make that transition but if it really wasn't for them I, I think I would have really struggled um, oh, over there and then in in 2013 and uh, you had a solid she- season without any really really far jumps um, and um, after winning two global titles in a row you finished fourth at the world championships in moscow having troubles with your knee how did that feel yes yeah this as you said the whole season i, I was not able to jump far because i i really could not stay healthy um i was i was not able to train i was not able to jump in, tra- in training because anytime i did my knee reacted so poorly um I, i could not get the swelling to go down i could not get the pain to go down you, you just cannot jump you cannot perform it at this at this rate but you know um there's sponsorship obligations and, and there's things you, you just have to, to push through you know i cannot just sit out a season um and i i made the best of it but it's embarrassing to, to go from world number one two years in a row and and then to come back and and jump something that you would you would jump yeah easily you know the years prior it's it's very frustrating um and this is this has been really uh my coach and i sat down and said we have to change something or we have to stop because it, it is just really only embarrassing and that was when you changed your uh, takeoff leg from left Correct. from left to right Correct. Yeah, and um, so tell us about how challenging it was to actually switch the takeoff leg, and um, how did you handle that? Yeah, so switching legs was was more difficult, especially for the triple jump. It was more difficult mentally than physically, because in the triple jump you train left side, right side anyway. We do so many plyometrics, so so much training with to be even um, on both sides. That was not the difficult part. The, the most difficult part was 
a believing in yourself um, to think that you can still run <laughs> as hard as you can and be able to jump off that and also um, just just feeling it so when, when you're jumping one way for 10 years you, you have a feeling your weight shifts one way um, you, you, ex, you expect to react in one way um, this is now this whole feeling is completely you have to really learn this again um, but it's as I said, the biggest challenge is, is the, the mental part because you, it's all about commitment. If you don't fully commit to it, you, you don't get it. If you always think, my other leg, my other leg, my other leg, then this is a barrier that, that will always hold you back. But once you commit and say, this is it, this is how I'm going to jump, then then you can start to make the progress. Um, but even myself, I thought, what if I'd never jumped 17 meters again? You know. Yeah, it's understandable, and I'll always have this thing that people will say, yeah, he was injured, he, you know, he had a good career, but at 23 years old, this is not the kind of way you should be thinking. This is when your season begins. This is when, really, that, that, that things are really, you have that favor. Um, and so it took me, as I said, a year to, to 18 months to, to really dive that in, that I can jump, I can jump. And this is no longer my new leg, but this is this is just how I jump. I don't want the focus to be on the, the switch anymore. I want this focus to be on now. I'm a, a I'm a competitor. I'm a performer, and I am still chasing the 18 meter mark. When did you do you remember when you considered yourself uh, uh, a good triple jumper off the right leg? Yeah. So Zurich, um, 2014. This was the Diamond League final. This whole year, I was still doing short approach because I was I just was not able to commit to the full approach. I did not think I could handle the speed. Um, so the entire season I went short approach and in Zurich my coach said yeah, Christian if we're going to win the Diamond League final we have to go from full everyone is going from full no one is going to take it easy on you like you're not going to win a Diamond League from, from short approach but I, I just still did not believe in myself um, really enough I was jumping 17 I was I was really getting back there but I thought believe it or not I, be, I, I think that I can do it um and of course, it had to be a battle between Will and myself. Um, but in the end, I, I was able to jump. I think I think 17:50 or something around there. And I thought, okay, there must be something bigger here, because if I'm able to jump 17:50 not from my full approach, then then I can go 18 meters. And that was the switch where I'm no longer doing this half approach. I'm no longer doing any of these things that that are you're holding me back. I'm gonna be all in, and however it works out, it works out. But that's it. That was the that was the point. Zurich 2014, where I thought there's more. There's more to this. In 2015, we all know what happened. Uh, it was an exceptional season for you, and uh, at the very first Diamond League meet in Doha, you and uh, Pedro Pablo Pichardo wrote history when both of you jumped over 80 meters. Uh, actually, it was the first time that two people jumped uh, 80 meters in, in the same competition. Uh, you finished second with 1804. Um, tell us about that night in Doha. Yeah, so again, this was now I was fully committed to Christian and my coach and I were training yeah, like crazy again. Um, back to back to the old style, and I, my fitness was crazy at this point. But the self belief was really at its highest. We got to Doha, and 
it was so hot. I, that's one thing I, I remember. It was such a hot night. Um, and again, this put me back in my element because, you know, being a Florida guy, I, I love the heat. And so I was so happy. Then this crazy kid at the time went and jumped 18 meters, like just out the blocks. And I, I was so shocked because I thought this was, this was a dream of mine. And this kid comes out and does this. Um, but the great thing is, again, this put me back to my element that when Will, Omar, and myself were training at Florida, if somebody jumps, you have to go in and out-jump them. Um, and so I stopped. It really challenged me to get out of my head and just compete. And this is when I found out, yeah, this was, this was the best I could be. Um, when, I, when I stopped thinking and I just reacted, um, I ended up reaching my dream and jumping 18 meters myself became the biggest loser in history. I mean, they were saying, yeah, two time, the first time, you know, two people jump over 18 meters, but when people write in this history, Taylor was second. Um, and this really stirred up a fire in me. Again, I went to the, the hotel room and, and I couldn't sleep. My phone was going crazy. Um, it was such a special night, but yeah, to be honest, this was a very difficult night because I, I did not like being in, in the number two spot. Um, and then I just carried this fire throughout the season, and it was, yeah, the best season of my life. Yeah, because uh, you uh, improved your personal best to 18.06 in Lausanne, uh, mm -hmm. the Lausanne Diamond League. And that, that was the competition you, you actually jumped two uh, jumps over 18 meters. Correct. With, uh, I think it was 18.02 or something. Correct. Yeah. And... Uh, Then you set an American record of 18:21 to win the World Championships in Beijing, beating Pedro Pablo Pichardo. Uh, tell us about what you think about uh, the whole season of 2015 and especially the World Championships. Yeah, so the season was, as I said, the best season of my life, and um, to go to Lausanne and jump this, and and I, I felt it. You know, I was really in the screw, but I knew at any time this you know triple p could come out and, and do something crazy and i just always needed to be able to respond so i tried to enjoy the moments but i i knew i had to give this guy you know the, the, the highest of respect because he's the one that pushed me to this mark um we got to, to beijing and the track was just fast you know you could just feel um you know you just getting on and off the track and and i said okay something special is going to happen here Um, the only thing I believe that was in my favor is the, the style of jumping we have. And I believe that this Beijing track was really for like speed jumpers. Um, and I think Greg could tell you the same, that the, the jumpers that are, uh, I mean, Greg Rutherford, um, the jumpers that are really, um, the strength jumpers, the power jumpers, um, the springy jumpers, I, I believe they struggled on this track a little bit because it was just so fast. But the ones that are really running through the board and, and using the speed as their advantage, those are the ones that, that benefited the most. Um, and I remember going to Nike Hospitality before I competed, and, and Greg Rutherford actually won this day. And he told me, tomorrow will be your day. And, and I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, I know the kind of jumper you are, and the board is fast. Like, the, the runway is fast. Um, so be ready for that. And I, I'll never forget that, you know, because, A, I, I, it was cool to think that, you know, an Olympic world champ uh, had your back, but also that he, he knew that 
um, because of the style of jumper I was that this would actually really benefit me. And, and you know, I always kept that at the back of my mind. And to finish again with, with 1821, this was crazy for me. You know, the only thing I can think about once I hit the sand was please don't be a red flag um, because this could be the best jump of my life or actually probably the saddest jump of my life. Um, you know, the, the, the jump that got away. When I turned around and saw this, this white flag, I, I said, maybe this is a chance that it, it challenges the world record. Um, but to be completely honest, to, to come away with this mark, I was so grateful, forever grateful. And, you know, this stirred something different to me. This stirred now, you know, I, I can go out there for blood. I can now start focusing on the, the, the thing that is really outstanding in my career, and that's just the world record. And wasn't you frustrated you didn't broke the world record there? I mean, you had 11 centimeters left on the board, but you only needed nine to break the world record? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's fun to think about it like this, but at the same time, if who knows, if, if I was two centimeters from the plasticine, maybe I would have thought it was a foul and I wouldn't have attacked it the same way. You know, so so many different variables would have changed if my position at the board was different. So. I would, I would not have changed a thing. I, I, in my mind, I would like to say, okay, I've jumped the world record distance. I don't have the world record for sure, um, but I know I'm capable of doing it. For me, it's, it's really like these, these sprinters that are running these very fast times with the wind-aided marks. Well, now your body knows what it's like to, to run at this cadence. They know the turnover that is required. They know, they know how it feels to run this time. They ran the time. The only difference was the wind at their back. Um, it is now how can you duplicate this in, in fair condition, you know, and so this is now the approach. I, I say I've, I've felt the distance. I have jumped the I've jumped the distance I need to jump. What I need to focus on is now how do I do it again? Yeah, and um, what do you what do you have to do to break the world record? What do you do? You have to develop something, or is it just no? It's all, getting only competition. Yeah. It's only competition. I've I've tried like crazy to prepare for different meets, to be ready to jump. I, well, I can't tell you the exercises, the, the new, the, I mean, we've watched YouTube, we've, we've researched, we've, we've tried so many things to be ready for meetings, for championships, and, and I've run harder than I could ever imagine. But this takes you out of your element. This is not how I compete. The, the, the way to get the best out of me is to push me. I love a fight. I love... I love this competitive environment, and unless I'm pushed, it's hard for me to, to get out of my head. It's hard for me to to be in that moment and, and to get the best out of me. And so this is why I'm so grateful for, for, for Ricardo, because he pushes me like nobody else. I know that when he jumps, when he shows up, he's capable of jumping 18 meters every meeting. So I have to be ready. I cannot be thinking about my hop. I cannot be thinking about my step. I cannot be thinking about phases and, and angles. No, no, no. When he jumps, I have to be able to respond, and there's nothing else to it. Um, and that is what I'm waiting for again. I'm waiting for him to be completely healthy. I'm waiting for him to, to come and be able to compete at his best because I know that that will help me jump at my best. Yeah, so it's it's all about getting the, the perfect competition then. Yes, yeah. that's it. After Beijing, you started to, to train towards the 2016 Olympic Games. Uh, is it special to start a preseason when you know the Olympic Games is coming up? 
Yeah, as I said, the energy is completely different. The pressure is completely different. Um, the mindset, every, everything. This is the only time that I actually, the, the most nerve-wracking competition of the year are the Olympic trials. Because if you do not make the top three spots here, you do not go. Um, so it doesn't matter what kind of shape it is. I mean, Kenny Harrison is a prime example of that. Yeah. This girl broke the world record but did not make the Olympic team. Um, and even even to look further, then the three other girls that did make the team ended up being the three medalists at the Games. So it's so nerve-wracking to be ready at this moment. But you have to treat the trials as the Games. And then when you get to the Games, then you could just compete. Um, but yeah, that the, the trials was completely different, and this was the entire focus. How can we be ready to perform at our best? Once you get there, then it doesn't matter. What, that all, it's not about winning the trials, just make the team. Once you make the team, then everything else is, is just being in that moment. Okay, and uh, well after you, the Olympic Games in Rio, in Brazil, um, you defended your, uh, your title as the Olympic champion and became the first uh, triple jumper to, to do so since uh, 1976. And uh, you were also the first uh, ever to win an Olympic gold medal of each foot. Uh, how did it feel to win the Olympic Games again? Um, yeah, this was, I, I was actually in tears. Um, you know, because this was not, no longer shock. This was almost disbelief that I'm, I'm, I'm back here again and, and with a, a different foot. And, you know, it just made me, you just become grateful um, for a lot of things, you know, that I, I'm, I looked in the stands and saw my family and, and I was just grateful for that, that they had my back the entire time. Um, you know, I, 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 there's just so many things I, I was just grateful for that I think that was, that was the thing that hit me the most, not so much defending the title, not so much anything else, just just gratitude for being in this position again um, to, to do something I love. And and that was the thing that was the most overwhelming factor of those games. The final in Rio, it, w it took place in the morning session. Um, yeah. Do you think that affected the result in a negative way? Uh, absolutely. I mean, two days in a row, we had... 10 a.m. final, 10 a.m. qualifying and 10 a.m. 10 a.m. final back to back. So I was up at, at 4 a.m. Um, you know, doing my shakeout and, and you're, when you're going in and running and and the sun is not even up. You know, this is this is not the way you want to feel going into an Olympic final. Um, you know that there's not going to be anybody in the stadium because who is who is going to come to watch a final at, at 10 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, There's a lot of different factors that, that contributed to, to the performances. You know, at the end of the day, we had to, to make the best out of the situation, but it's for sure nothing I would ever wish to other competitors, um, other events, and, and I pray that it doesn't happen again because it's it's not the, the atmosphere for world record performances. You, you're, really, you're really tired. I mean, coming from qualifications, as I said, you have a 4 a.m. morning, you have qualifications, you have the nerves, of the Olympic final the next night, well, you're not going to sleep that well anyway. Um, so the time you do get to sleep, 4 a.m. comes quite quickly. Um, it's it's difficult. And, and as I said, you just have to make the best of the situation. But it's I in my heart, I knew there's no way I could break the world record because, hey, I'm just not.
not a morning person. You know, I I come alive at the night, and and it, I knew I was going to be a real challenge, and that was something we actually focused on about a month in advance. You know, we were training in the morning all the time after that, um, just to prepare for, for this final. And uh, I mean, at the Olympic Games, uh, you probably would want the the athletes to be able to perform at at the best. So. Absolutely. I don't understand why they why they put the the final in yeah, the morning I session. It's, it's with TV time. It's it's all about TV. They're the ones that make the rules. Um, but again, if you want an entertaining show, if if you want to really stream the best of track and field, then this is something you have you have to factor. Yeah. And I I I had uh, Jeremy Fisher on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and. We talked about this and how the triple jump is not like prioritized at the big stages and and so forth. Um, and it's the same thing with the the Rome Diamond League that we talked before. Correct. Um, Correct. So it, it's unfair that that the triple jump is uh, not prioritized. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in in 2017. Uh, You and Will Clay had another fight at the Prefontaine Classic, where you won with a massive jump of eighteen uh, eleven. How did it feel to be over eighteen meters again? Wonderful, wonderful. But again, this was another another example of of just competition. When when the atmosphere is right, then then you can just bounce. Um, and and Will and I were going back and forth throughout the entire competition. Um, but at the end, the, the fire was just burning brighter than ever, and And to jump 18 meters again, it was it was such a good feeling. Um, I knew it was a big jump as soon as I took off, but to see that number again was was really special. And I thought, okay, it's it's still possible. I still have it in me, and and just keep going. You went on winning the world championships, and um, you were talking about breaking the world record before. But when it was time for the final, it was uh, it was a night night the the evening session but it was very cold in london so correct you you didn't jump further than uh, 1768 but you still won and uh, took your third world championships how did it feel uh, to win the the world championships in london yeah again i knew i had 18 meters in me you know and so i was excited to really put this down at the same stadium where I won my first Olympic Games, you know, um, this stadium is really, really special to me. But as you said, the conditions are were, yeah, not favorable for these kind of performances. And um, yeah, I was I was super grateful to, to come away for, with my third title, um, come out healthy. But I was a little disappointed because I wanted to I wanted to give a better show. I wanted to really put a number out there that that these these fans would remember. Um, Unfortunately, 1768 is, is not that number. It was enough to win, and, and I'm grateful for that. But I, I felt like I let a lot of people down with this. And uh, after London, you went uh, with a couple of other jumpers to the French Alps, uh, to the ski resort Tignes, uh, to compete um, at a special built track on the top of the mountains. Uh, tell us about that special competition. Yeah, that was complete fun. Um, A lot of talk about jumping the world record over altitude, and and but if anything, I saw it as a study. I saw it as a way to to 
yeah, just get get more eyes on the triple jump to to just have fun. Um, we try to jump, but it's this. I, I think triple jumpers really struggle um, with elevated runways like this because the the re, the, the recoil of of Every phase is, is a lot different than it would be, you know, on a, on a regular track. And so to go from hard tracks to, to something now that is so bouncy, if you don't time this up right, um, it is a real struggle. But we had a wonderful time. The city came out and, and you had to take a helicopter to a meet. This was, this was really, really cool. Um, but, yeah, it was, I, I think, a great experiment, but it's really difficult to get that, that world's record when the, the atmosphere is just a bit different. 2018 was an off year and uh, for the Americans with no major championships, uh, but we still saw you at the European Championships uh, as a like coach for Team Austria. Uh, tell us about <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, my fiance is um, an Austrian hurdler and I'm I'm super proud of her and, and yeah one of her biggest fans, but they allowed me to come and I guess really just kind of just talk to the athletes, um, you know just kind of help them with their mindset when it, when it is championship um, time and and just kind of tell them that, you know that what works for me um, and that's what I tried to do I just tried to just talk to them and, and inspire them and, and motivate them, um, but really also you know. I guess selfishly to, to be there to to support my fiance and and you know watch her run at a at a European Championship in Berlin, which is such a signature um, city and, and track and field signature. I mean, in, in history, um, you know, this stadium has so many significant moments in it, and, and so for me, selfishly, it was very nice to kind of almost relive these moments, um, but also to see you know her compete you know on, on, in the stadium at the stage. It was it was really special. If we move on to this year then, you have uh, started out this year pretty good, having a season best of 1747 to to this day. It's 5th of June today. Um, what are your goals uh, for this season? Yeah, I mean, um, 18 meters always. Um, I'm re really healthy. Uh, running is going well, lifting is going well. Everything is, is lined up uh, nicely. I'm very happy. Um, I think this really makes a big difference. Now it's just about competing. Um, you know, I, I, I want to compete. I want to jump. I want to battle. Uh, I know uh, Pichardo and I have competition uh, on the 11th um, in, in France, and then I will have a you know another competition on the 15th in Slovakia, and and it, it's really just about competing now I'm, I'm really in great shape I just I just want to compete I want to I want to be pushed and I, and I want to jump um, that that is really the focus 18 meters plus okay and um, I guess you want to win the world championships again in Doha yeah absolutely this, this is for me um, <laughs> I can't say a no-brainer but this is I, I do want to go and defend the title If, if my focus is really just jumping far, this comes with it, you know? Like, I just want to go compete and, and, and jump far. I want to put on a good show. And if we could do this in Doha, I mean, th this is what it's all about. Um, but for sure, defending a title is, is very important. 
Okay, so um, you live now in Austria. Correct. Um, do you have your coach uh, with you, or who who do you train no. with right now? No, yeah, just my fiance and, and myself. Um, yeah, when we're in when we're in Vienna, as I said, I, I'm in Germany for a few days and, and doing camps with the coach. Um, but yeah, until this point, it was just yeah, um, Beate and myself. And and I mean, I, in January, I was in South Africa with as a, yeah, my good friends Martin Rooney and, and James Ellison, um, and we had a great camp down there. But it was really just uh, okay, and, and my girlfriend, uh, really just the five of us down there. Um, um, and, and yeah, just really, as I said, just happiness. I mean, we're, we're training well, we're having a good time. Um, but you know, at the same time, yeah, I, I could do these camps and, and, and spend a few weeks, um, with my coach and, and it works out really nicely. Right now you're in a competition period, uh, how does a training week look like in general for you uh, right now in in this time of the year? Yeah, I, I mean, jumping still quite a lot Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, a lot of speed work um, when I'm not jumping, uh, which is usually Monday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, and today is, is my off day, so today is the day I will go and, and get massage and, and um, really recover today. Um, but the intensity is very high, but also we're not going to ease off until a little bit later because we have to factor in how late the world championships are. Um, and so uh, keeping that in mind, we're still going to continue lifting heavy right now. We're still going to be, uh, you know, I was pulling the sleds yesterday and, and uh, you know, jumping and, and still doing a lot of heavy, um, you know, uh, difficult work because we need to be ready come end of September. We have a few questions from our Instagram followers. Uh, first of all, your commercial agent, Jeff Freeman, uh, has a very good question for you. Uh, he wants to know what part of the triple jump brings you the most joy? Um, the jump, for sure. The, the, the hop for me lets me know if it's going to be a good jump or not, but the jump phase is for me that flight. For me, this is when it goes completely quiet, and yeah, you you're just flying. Um, so the, the jump phase is my favorite. Okay, and uh, then we have Killy VVN uh, wonders who is the funniest person to compete against. Oof. Um... Tricky question. Yeah, I, w- I would probably say uh, Omar. Omar is really clowning a lot. Um, so he's either playing pranks on me before the meet, or he has some jokes throughout the meet. So I would say I would probably say yeah, Omar Craddock. Okay, and then Christopher Underline Creation uh, wants to have uh, some tips for like high school triple jumpers. Yeah, I would say really that, that the thing that helped me was YouTube. Um, you know, watch video and, and, and try to do the same. Um, don't I wouldn't say focus on the whole thing. Just find find one thing. You know, if you, if one week you say okay, I'm going to focus on the hop, the next week I'm going to focus on the step, or and find exercises that help you with the hop. 
I would say just break it down, slow it down. Don't look at the whole triple jump, you know, at one time and try to do the same. Um, really slow it down, break it down, and as I said, have fun. Like, don't don't try to rush. Don't try to jump 18 meters, you know, at 17. No, take take your time. Learn learn the event, and then yeah, work from there. Yeah, good tips. So um, when I ask uh, people who they want to see on the podcast. Uh, almost everyone is answer is you and uh, now you've been here and my last question is who do you want to see as a guest in the triple jumpers podcast oh wow uh, well yeah I for sure want to thank um, everyone for that support and for that shout out because um, that's that's big that's I feel really special with that um, yeah I would I would say one person I really really look up to um, and have a lot of respect for Nelson Abora. He's he's really a great guy and, and somebody I would like to get to know more about. So I would say Nelson Abora. Okay, we will see if we can get him then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Christian, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm very honored to have you on the show and it was very nice to hear your story. Um, I wish you the best of luck in the future and uh, first of all in France. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for the followers. Um, yeah, for the questions and and really, um, I don't take this for granted. So thank you so much. Okay, so that was it. It was such an honor to have Christian Taylor on the show. I mean, he and Jonathan Edwards, they are the top two of all times. So to have the opportunity to talk to Christian and hear his story, it's just overwhelming it's amazing and I think he had a lot of great stuff to say and we didn't even have the time to go through everything so who knows maybe it will be another episode with him in the future anyhow if he doesn't already follow Christian his Instagram name is tailored to jump and if you want to suggest a guest or have any questions send an email to triplejumpers18 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram We're soon back with another episode. Until then, have a good time. Bye. Tremendous speed once again. And he's, oh my goodness, that is huge. It's a white flag for the Cuban. Félix Tango pour la postérité.